0: If you're really getting upset about this game, I encourage you to look at Kirby Smart, you know, famous party animal Kirby Smart, (laughs) who is always out there just lackadaisically celebrating and not fretting about anything – Seeming to legitimately enjoy himself in a way that we have not seen for a while. Afterwards, look at Fromm singing Rocky Top. Afterwards, this did not have the look of a team that was like, "Oh, we got to figure this out. We get we, we really messed this one up." And I would encourage the fans to
1: uh, you know follow their lead in that regard. So the dogs took their talents in their number three national ranking to Knoxville. And despite a shaky first quarter where Tennessee was able to grab a quick lead, the bulldogs behind the leadership of coach smart, Jake Brom, and a host of playmakers on defense methodically outscored out, tackled and out coached the balls and Cruz to a 43 to 14 win. Hey there. My name is Scott Duvall and you're listening to episode 197. Of the Wait since last Saturday podcast. This is our post game show with my co-host will leach. That's right. It's just Will and me today. Tony was unable to join us, but don't worry. He will be back for Monday's show recording. So sit back and enjoy this quick recap of the 49th all-time meeting of Georgia and Tennessee. And here's Will to get it started.
0: The Georgia Bulldogs have finally caught up with the Tennessee Volunteers in the lifelong series. Fewer games than you would have thought, but nevertheless... They've passed them with their big 43-14 to 14 win. I am Will Leach. I am here with Scott Duvall here on the WSLS Podcast. No Tony Waller this week. He's unable to... I mean, uh, today. He'll be on a regular show this week. But this is our post-game show uh, of the Tennessee game, sponsored by Five Points Bottle Shop. Uh, I'll have you know, uh, we're recording this on Sunday morning, so I was unable to go to Five Points Bottle Shop this morning. Fortunately, I went there plenty yesterday, and therefore have been drinking all morning. Uh, Scott, uh, am I? How do you feel? Uh, some people are freaking out. Some people realize uh, are cool with a blowout. Uh, where are you? Give us your temperature after a game that was tight for a while and then quite decidedly not tight.
1: I don't remember which game it was, but it was uh, it was either last year or a couple years ago where Tony was freaking out on Twitter, and I was telling him to calm down.
0: I think it was Missouri last year.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt on this. I mean, it's basically what what you want to look at is there's two straight games where the opponent takes the ball to open the game, and we get a key defensive player hurt (laughs) in that first series. You know, against Notre Dame, it was Eric Stokes that went out that kind of sends a shockwave through the fans, and this one, it was uh, Jordan Davis. Perhaps it spooks the Georgia fans on Twitter, watching it at home, maybe in the stadium, and you add in a week off that... A team like Tennessee that recruits three, four, five-star players. It gives them a chance to give their best shot to UGA. Tennessee had hope. It grew throughout the first quarter as their freshman quarterback uh, really played quite well the first uh, couple series. But then Georgia slowly but surely takes their hope away. They steal their hope. We tweeted that out on the WSLS podcast Twitter, and that uh, seemed to ring true. And, um, you know, the way I I guess I'd finally sum it up on kind of the 30,000-foot view is you could probably appreciate a baseball reference. If you looked at Maurer as like, you know, maybe the rookie from AAA who is called up and he homers in his first at bat or has a great game, and everyone starts crowning him the next whatever— And then he eventually comes back down to earth. That's kind of how I would look at uh, Maurer and Tennessee's uh, effort on Saturday evening.
0: Yeah, I definitely think Maurer is almost more like a pitcher, right? Where it's a guy no one's seen his stuff before, (laughs) so they can't quite figure out what they've got. And once they figure out the stuff, like, oh, okay, we can hit this guy. And that's pretty much what happened, leading to, I would argue, the best – uh, hit and scoop for a touchdown that we've had for a while. That was definitely a highlight. No, this game may have been worth it across the board just for that scoop and, cra- just for that hit and Crowder's scoop from it. it was very, uh, exciting. I will put it this way. Um, I understand why people would be freaking out a little bit just because Mara was hot. Uh, though to be fair, he was hot on one drive and he also, they had a busted coverage on the first drive and whatever. That's, I don't mean to act like it's like, that's like a lightning bolt. It was a mistake and, uh, but, but, it was all busted coverage. It wasn't like he just made... They had this incredible drive. It was the first play, and they got them really into it. And then he was really hot on the next drive, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. And then there was really not too much uh, uh else that they really had going on. I would argue, too... The, any worries you might have about this, I would argue to save your concerns. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. There's plenty of time for that. Florida looks pretty good. That's a game that we're going to have in a, in, a, in a few weeks. This is the time to kind of chill out. And I would say that, sure, there's stuff that they have to shore up. But if you do the transitive property game, you can do the, well, what are they going to do against Joe Burrow? What are they going to do against Tagaviola? Tag- what are they going to do against... Okay, well, that's it. Uh, But uh, certainly, this is a weird part of being Georgia when your whole season is just based on beating Alabama or beating LSU in the SEC Championship game. Really beating Alabama is any time anyone who's not Alabama does anything against you, you're like, oh my gosh, what is Alabama gonna do? Well, sometimes other teams do things. Their crowd was was pretty hot actually after that first touchdown, and the, and he, and the freshman got hot on that first drive. I think he is going to be a good player, but it's clearly as we saw in the second half where I think he got hit more times than he completed passes. He's not there yet, and they took advantage of that. If you're really getting upset about th- this game. I encourage you to look at Kirby Smart, you know, famous party animal Kirby Smart, (laughs) who is always out there just lackadaisically celebrating and not fretting about anything, seeming to legitimately enjoy himself in a way that we have not seen for a while afterwards. Look at Fromm singing Rocky Top afterwards. This did not have the look of a team that was like, oh, we got to we got to figure this out. We got we we really messed this one up. And I would encourage the uh, fans to, uh, you know, follow their lead
1: in that. That regard. And I think that the bad refereeing, the bad penalties right at the beginning of the game, and the short yardage struggles we missed on a fourth and one in the second half or something like that. I think all of that compounds to the freak out uh, because you can't control it. You don't know what's going on. And you are sitting there assuming, like last time we were in uh, Knoxville, we shut them out. And if you, and, and on that note, if you saw the crowd shots after Tennessee did hit their 75 yard, uh, pass play, it was like the streak had been broken or something. I mean, they were, they were ready to go storm the streets. They were so happy. And yeah, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about, uh, Tennessee and the state of Tennessee football as it stands right now.
0: Yeah. And you know, listen, this is another thing about this whole, you know, oh, I don't know if do that against Alabama game that is now the Georgia reality now. The, all, all anyone measures themselves against is being Alabama. There were so many games last year where they said that exact same thing. Oh man, you play like you did against Missouri against Alabama. It's all going to fall apart. Oh, you play like you did, uh, in the, in, in, in LSU and Alabama will just destroy you. And you know what happened when they played Alabama? They were awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were awesome. Like they played their, really their best game of the year. I think that. I would argue that the coaching staff has earned the benefit of the doubt, to say the least. I also think that there is something too frankly, kind of what uh, uh, Jim Cheney had scripted, I think, clearly for uh, his first series. Uh, obviously, the Busted coverage of the first series, but I mean, that next series, that was extremely well-called drive uh, by a guy who, listen, was a pretty good offensive coordinator for Georgia, and more to the point – had probably has been planning that exact series for a long time. And it worked. And it went very well and the crowd got really into it. And then that was it the rest of the game. And then it was thirty to nothing the rest of the way. I know that we're kind of in the era of Georgia football that every game must be 141 to nothing, or they something's wrong, or they're not inspired enough, or they're not ready enough. Like think of it this way. Everything for that first quarter and a half went perfect for Tennessee. Everything went mm-hmm. absolutely landed their way in every possible way. I don't know about you, Scott. I was not sweating. I don't think Tony was sweating either. We actually had a little, had a little tweet storm.
1: Oh, yeah. Tony was excellent on Twitter last night.
0: Do they call them tweet storms anymore, or, do they, or are they just threaded tweets? I don't know what they're calling these days. But yeah, and also kind of, uh, acknowledge that he was not going to be on the podcast today, saying that, like, he felt that Georgia felt like they were going to win just by coming off the bus, and I agree they did look that way. It is also worth noting that they probably would have won just just crawling off the bus. Like you want to see that intensity all the time, but then because we were all kind of spoiled by the 2017 team, right? That team was uh, stormed out of the gates, uh, stormed out of the gates from the get go. The team were, it was wonderful, and every game they were totally amped because it was a revenge tour. It is unrealistic, and frankly, it wouldn't even really be that much fun uh, if a team went out and floored it every single game. Georgia doesn't get up for Tennessee on the road the way that they used to. I would consider that a sign of progress rather than a sign of something going wrong.
1: And if you look historically, say uh, you look at the last three meetings between Georgia and Tennessee and that we still hearken back to that 41-0 victory in 2017. Georgia had 378 yards of total offense in that game. Last night, they had 526 yards of total offense. In 2017, Georgia had a plus-three turnover margin. Last night, they had a plus-two turnover margin. In 2017, time of possession was 35 minutes Last night, time of possession was 36 minutes. And then really the kicker, if you think about it, Georgia's played up in Knoxville probably 20-something times out of the 40-something meetings. This is the most points Georgia has ever scored in Knoxville, 43 points.
0: Yeah, and yet everyone's freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, and I get it. This is the raised expectations. I understand that. And again, I really encourage everyone to just watch the way that Kirby Smart handled himself after the game. He held himself like, we did something awesome. Tennessee stinks. We're great. Suck on it, Pruitt. Go away. <laughs> and, and I think that's okay. It's okay to celebrate a win like that. I, game wise, sure. I think there's probably some they need to work on some stuff in this in their secondary. I have little doubt that they will. This is also probably uh, in the happy place as closest to a Bromer game we've had since the SEC championship game last year. I think he oh, was yeah. he was terrific uh, in this game. We spent a lot of this time. How it's almost they've they've kind of kept him handcuffed. How he's not going to be. If, I'll put it this way: if this season starts with this game, there's a lot of "Ooh, is this Fromm's Heisman year? Is this the mm-hmm. Heisman year for Fromm?" And just because they have not needed him to do this, I think this. Should, I it's a shame. Maybe it's because it's there's been a week of these Fields versus Fromm conversations, which seem very strange to me. Good reminder, like Jake from is really good at throwing the football <laughs> and it's really smart and makes good decisions and has a great arm. And, uh, it was weird that they kind of needed to be, people needed to be reminded of that. I would say nationally, I know Georgia fans, again, we freak out a little bit. Nationally, people are not like poo pooing this game, this performance by Georgia. Stu Mandel actually moved Georgia up to number two in his rankings after this game. Uh, I know there was a lot of freaking out. And I understand because you don't want anyone, uh, any fan of Tennessee to be happy about anything for even a half a second. (laughs) I get it. But uh, I really never really felt like this game was in in trouble. And the difference in talent between these teams is so vast that uh, it's hard to see where Tennessee gets a win in this series again for, for quite many years to come.
1: And as long as Jake Fromm's a quarterback, that kind of helps answer why I wasn't freaking out at the beginning because, yeah, we had a rough first quarter and Tennessee was hot and the crowd was into it, Well, the 60,000 Tennessee fans, because uh, there were about 30,000 Georgia fans, but Fromm's poise and confidence that we can almost see and feel on TV is what gave me hope as people around me at the watch party I was at were freaking out and I was just kind of sitting there going, "Just, just wait, he's... He's like uh, completed his first seven passes and his only Incompletion in the first half was I think Tyler Simmons dropped a pass. So uh, He ended up going 24 of 29 for 288 yards and two touchdowns, no picks, no real He wasn't even hassled in the backfield really. I mean, I I think his jersey was probably pretty clean Uh, I don't I don't really think that he even took any Shots or hurries after he'd uh, let go of the ball, but I think all in all The other thing you got to think about is, uh, historically speaking, this is the first time since the morning of September twelfth, nineteen 1992, that Georgia has had a lead in the all-time wins in this series versus Tennessee, because we went through quite... A downturn in the 90s we didn't win the rest of the 90s after that 92 game and uh you know that which culminated in the tear down the goalposts in 2000 so it is something to celebrate uh the fact that now georgia has a lead in all of the sec series except for three they are behind in alabama which they probably won't get there they're they're behind by 15 uh, wins. Uh, they're behind by LSU and four wins and they're behind by uh, Texas A&M, which is something they can maybe even the series up later this year because they are behind by one game in that series. So yeah, I think it's like move on, look towards South Carolina, another team that's going to be giving them, giving the dogs their best shot. They were on a bye this week. It's a dangerous noon kickoff. Uh, that's why we kind of were hoping it was going to be 3:30 or seven o'clock because that sometimes takes the home crowd out. Although I just don't see uh Bulldog Nation being pulled out of the hype, you know, and they'll be in there hopefully, uh, like maybe not to the extent that they were against Notre Dame, but definitely before kickoff leading up to the 12 o'clock kick versus the Gamecocks.
0: Yeah. uh, Last couple things. I'm sure we'll get into this on the big preview show. Uh, I tend to think a lot of the secondary issues are issues, if you want to call them that, are because of havoc. I think they're really trying to get interceptions, and and they're trying to make big plays. And sometimes that's loosening up. I also think the coaching staff is limber enough to be able to figure that out. Uh, The things I would be worried about more, the only things I really the two takeaways I would find negative about this game are two things that we've seen before. That's what you worry about, right? The things that you've seen before that haven't worked out and it continue to be problems. One is the punting. The punting uh. is a mess, man. Like, I, I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, something's up. Eventually they're going to hit a point where they're just not going to deal with it anymore. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know what, when that point is, but, uh, I'd have to think it's approaching would be the best way to put it. And the penalties, the penalties, uh, specifically. They kind of done penalties. I think those, the late hit by Marshall, uh, was a problem. Some are worried about the short yards. I have to guess I'm not sweating the, the short yard stuff too much. I feel like you've got too good an offensive line. This is going to get better as the year goes along. That doesn't sweat too much, but the penalties and the punting, those are things that I think do have to get cleaned up. But Otherwise, man, they, they, they blew them out. <laughs> they, even when they were behind, it still felt like they were in control of the game. You would have needed, again, everything needed to fall exactly perfect across the board for Tennessee to have a one-point lead. <laughs> and then George was like, oh, okay, well now we're just going to play a normal game like we usually do. They scored 30 straight points. Uh, I don't really see a lot to sweat about here.
1: Well, and the guys that write about this for a living, Wes Rucker of Knox News, his headline was Bulldogs Shred UT Defense. And then in Seth's column, he described it as prolonged strangulation, which I really like that, that terminology, That he, prolonged strangulation. So uh, I thought that was good. And then uh, our friend Logan Booker was at the game, and I asked him what the uh, crowd was like. And he said, to the Vols' credit, they had Nealon Rockin into the second quarter. But then twenty five to 30,000 Georgia fans took over the entire atmosphere once the Georgia defense started to figure things out. And uh, I'm sure that that pretty much hit a peak when Eric Stokes laid the most perfect tackle you 've ever seen, and then tay Crowder former running back tay Crowder rumbles uh, to the for the touchdown and the big uh, the big highlight moment for all the kids watching the game was when the ref got tackled. And in the screenshots you see, he actually looks like a dead corpse for um, <laughs> the way he hit the ground. But luckily he's fine. Uh, and he was the second ref because the first ref pulled a calf uh, muscle in the first uh, half. So this is the replacement lead referee.
0: Yeah. So well, I will say this, Scott. I feel like I have, I've accomplished something all the time doing this podcast with you. I have you admiringly quoting the mainstream media.
1: That's right. And giving them uh, bylines. Too. I know. I love it, man. <laughs> I
0: love it. We, I feel like we've got you properly trained as people scream at their podcast going, fake news, fake news. We're going to bring up politics again. I'm mad. Anyway, um okay, so we're going to do a big show uh a regular show I think we're taping Monday night, right? We're taping Monday night. Uh so Tony will be back for that. Uh I don't know about you Scott, but uh I don't know what you're doing this afternoon. If you're like most sports fans in the south, you're just thinking about football all day and uh and then oh, is there a baseball game on? Oh, okay. I'll uh Okay. yeah I,
1: I, I, I. yeah that's gonna be important A one one tied series of uh, you know Soroka's going for the Braves uh, against who Adam, wait, it, right. uh, oh yeah former brave
0: uh, who was asked uh, uh, people will be listening to this after the game I suspect but uh, he was asked before the game by a Cardinals uh by Rick Hummel Hall of Fame Cardinals baseball reporter uh if he'd ever faced if you've ever had a game before where he pitched someone who he could be the father of. Adam mm-hmm. Wayne That he's like, you know, I've thought never thought about that until now. So thanks, uh, Wayne Wright's awesome. Everybody, lo- everybody loves Adam Wayne Wright. Anyway, it's gonna be a fun series. Hopefully, we'll be we're gonna we're gonna tape Monday after Game Four. So look forward to that discussion mm-hmm. after that's over. But otherwise, uh, Scott, I suspect if Tony were here, he would also not be fretting too much about this. And I hope people aren't fretting too much. So um, otherwise, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you Monday after Game Four and uh, go dogs.
1: And thanks so much for listening. Check us out on Twitter. Game days are especially fun for us with hot takes and retweets of the best stuff that we see on our timeline. And Saturday's game was no exception. You can find our show at WSLS podcast. And before we go last week, the bulldogs battling breast cancer nonprofit reached out to us wanting to know if we could help get the word out on a few upcoming fundraising events. They raise money for St. Mary's hospital in Athens specifically for the foundation's Teresa's hope fund, which provides free mammograms for women in need. Funds are also used to buy new equipment, such as 3D mammogram machines and mobile mammogram machines. Donations are also used to help educate women on the importance of early detection. Since their inception, they have raised $800,000 in the fight against breast cancer. A few upcoming dates of note. On October 17th and 18th, they're calling it Pink in the Rink with UGA Hockey for their Games versus Clemson In Georgia Tech, the Georgia hockey team has ordered alternate jerseys. You know I'm a big fan of that. They are trimmed in pink to wear for their matchups. And after the game on the 18th versus Georgia Tech, the jerseys will be auctioned off for the BBBC. There will also be a 50-50 raffle to participate in. Then, on October 19th, there's Paint Sanford Pink for the Georgia football game versus Kentucky on Saturday the 19th. The BBBC will partner with the UGA paint line and the UGA spike squad to promote breast cancer awareness inside Sanford Stadium. This is a huge milestone for the Bulldogs battling breast cancer to be represented inside the stadium for the second year in a row. Then there's a pledge drive. Anyone can pledge any dollar amount per goal scored by the UGA hockey team on the 17th and 18th, plus football points scored on the 19th versus Kentucky. Last year, they raised around $10,000 with this pledge drive, and the goal for this year is to raise $25,000 for the weekend. We plan on donating here at Waitin' Since Last Saturday and would encourage our listeners to do the same. No dollar amount is too small for this worthy cause. We will have their links in the show notes of this episode. Again, great win by the dogs. Time to focus on the Gamecocks, and we'll see you on campus this Saturday once again in America's greatest college football town. And as always, go dogs.